This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome back, TV Club. Here we are. Uh, this, is, this is a special episode. You know, it is Labor Day weekend, a big weekend for TV, at least for me. I, I spend that whole four days just in front of my TV, watching everything I've been missing. And I imagine you want to do the same thing. So today we have a special episode for Labor Day weekend. I am going to share with you some of my favorite moments in weed TV history. Uh, and I'm joined by the crew from Great Moments in Weed History to do that. Abdullah Saeed and David Bienenstock. If you are a stoner, you know them. And you know that that obviously I am a, a cannabis connoisseur, a fan of the plant. I make that very clear in my content. But David and Abdullah, they are the real experts. David, you may know as the former editor of High Times. Uh, he wrote the book How to Smoke Weed Properly. And Abdullah, obviously, is the pioneer of weed television. If there's anything on TV with weed, it is because of that man and the work he did over at Vice. So the two of them are joining me to talk about our favorite weed moments in TV history or our favorite TV moments in weed history. Either way, it's both of them. Uh, they're going to share some of the history behind these moments while I explain how they changed the TV landscape and how stoners we know to this day act. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, sit back, relax, enjoy your Labor Day weekend and watch some stoner TV. You know, and we will be back to our regular programming next week. You know, September is big TV time. September is fall TV is back. Kids are back in school. And there's a lot we're going to have to get ready for, okay? We got Lord of the Rings. The Rings of Power is coming out yesterday. Kevin Can Fuck Himself came out last week on Monday. Little Demon came out last week with Danny DeVito, Aubrey Plaza. Come on, there's so much TV. Cobra Kai is debuting their fifth season next week. We have American Gigolo with John Barenthal, September 9th on Showtime. I put it in my calendar because I want to see John Barenthal play a male prostitute. That's what I was put on this earth to do. I was put on this earth to watch John Barenthal do that. So, oh, we also have Atlanta season four premiering September 15th. A reboot, which I'm really, really excited for on September 20th. And then obviously Abbott Elementary season two premieres September 21st. And that is the thing we're really all most excited about. Obviously that show, uh, if you haven't watched the first season, you can watch it now all on HBO Max or Hulu, either one, but you're going to want to catch up before we get to season two. There's just so much TV coming back, so don't worry. After this week, we're going to have so much to talk about. We're going to have amazing guests joining us. But today, sit back, relax, learn about some weed TV with me and my good friends, Abdullah Saeed and David Bean in stock. Ashley Ray, welcome. Hey, I'm high and happy to be here. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So, you know, Bean and I are both total TV addicts. Anytime we're not talking about weed or this show to each other, we're talking about TV. We're giving each other recommendations and stuff like that. So this is very exciting indeed. Isn't that right, Bean? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I have to say we're fans of your podcast and your TV criticism and appreciation. And 
I think we got first in contact with you because I had to let you know how much I appreciated you hipping me to Southside on HBO oh, yeah. Max. Oh, so good. Incredible so, so show. Good. Very good weed show, too. Uh, the, the depictions of blunts, very accurate. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you and I have done comedy together a bunch of times uh, in weed and non-weed context. Oh, no, only in weed context. I think, yeah, I think <laughs> only weed shows. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my show, The Lit Show, uh, and then, of course, uh, Weeding Out the Stone, a game yes. show on which I don't remember which one of us lasted longer on the game show. Uh, well, uh, I won. I and oh, everybody, won. Yeah, <laughs> I was the last person. I was stoned out of my mind and somehow everyone was just like, I think she's the sober one. And I was like, I like I've literally just been picking candy up off the floor and eating it this whole time. <laughs> yeah. And the last time we had performed together, I saw you get so fucking high. I was like, <laughs> this person is high as shit. This audience doesn't know what they're talking about, but at two hours into a show like that, uh, what else? Yeah, you, you just gotta have fun. Yeah, yeah. I was on the stage, like I've the reddest my eyes have ever been, and everyone was just like, "No, I think she's sober." It's, it's ridiculous. Being, and we need to get you on this game show. Uh, you'll be eliminated very quickly because you have to be sober to win. But uh, we should make that happen. You'd be a perfect contestant. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm down. All righty. Okay, so. Uh, I believe, Ashley, you have prepared for us a bunch of great moments in TV weed history, depictions of cannabis consumption. Absolutely, yes. And I will say these these aren't, you know, ranked. Uh, for me, it's very hard to say this is better than this. But these, to me, are the moments that I think set weed trends on television and in, in life. They were so big, you know, they impacted the way stoners acted. You know, kind of like when a Pineapple Express came out and we were all we all like understood the slang of the movie immediately. Yeah. And then that became a strain like Pineapple yeah. Express was not a strain before that movie. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So, Ashley, usually, uh, you know, when we start these interviews, we ask our guests, what was your uh, first encounter with the plant? How did that relationship begin? But for you, I'm going to ask, how did you first begin your relationship with not only cannabis, but also with television? Yeah, I was a senior in high school and I knew that I loved media. Like I was in my film club. I was like the AV club nerd. I was always reading just TV reviews and watching TV and always talking about it. I was in all the blogs. I had my own like, you know, live journal or whatever, where I would just be like, here's what I thought about Grey's Anatomy this week. And no one cared. Uh, but... <laughs> As I got to college, I realized, like, oh, this is a legit thing. Like, you can, like, actually have, like, a career writing about TV. People take this seriously and you study it. And I did, uh, I, my major was uh, the history of Black television. So basically for two years, I just locked myself in a library with, like, hard-to-find Black TV. Uh, like, Julia, the first show to star a Black woman as the lead, and... I just was literally just hunkered down like with VHS tapes of like Amen and, you know, 227. And I obviously, to get through that much TV, you need weed. You just, it's, it has to go together. And for me, I think it was that I noticed with weed, it helps me slow down and really take in details and the story and think in different ways. Because uh, without that, I'll just watch an episode of TV and be like, okay, yeah, there's your A plot, your B plot. I get it. But when I'm stoned, it's like, okay, wait, this is doing something more, something I can write, you know, 1200 words about. Oh, yeah. It is a match made in heaven. Isn't that right, B? Yeah, we've had this discussion before in terms of like, you could get a little shit as a younger person if your interests are smoking weed and watching TV. Oh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a long comeback on the. Kind of making a living at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I, I just rub it in the face of every teacher I've ever had. Oh, I had a principal who was like, you're never going to get anywhere smoking pot and watching TV all day. And I'm just like, look at me now. Oh, okay. That is too real, man. That is absolutely too real because I very often say I am not anything but a person vindicated for a lifetime of watching TV and smoking weed. weed yeah. That's, yeah, that's literally the two best parts of the job. And of course, I mean, you know, 
now you see quite a bit of cannabis use on TV. I feel like since it's become in vogue, but back in the day, it was very special. It was like seeing like, you know, like a little uh, signal that's made just for you when you saw a positive cannabis yeah. reference on TV. Um, so with that, uh, shall we get into our list? Let's go. All right. So what's first up in terms of cannabis representation on TV? Yeah. First up, I think really hits your point of how shocking it was in the early days to see people enjoy weed on television. Uh, this was 2000. It was the show Freaks and Geeks, the episode Choking and Token, which mm -hmm. is when Lindsay smokes pot for the first time uh, after some peer pressure, of course. Uh, but she smokes <laughs> pot for the first time uh, because of Jason Siegel's character, like freaks out. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is, a, I think, a great depiction of what it's like to do weed for the first time with a bunch of guys in high school. But mostly what happened is that this infuriated parents across the country. Uh, it just made people so upset that this show was encouraging teen weed use that so many people complained the show was canceled right after this episode. So, oh, so that's why that's what, so, yeah. So that when people are like, why was Freaks and Geeks this short lived cult hit? It oh is. Oh my God. Marijuana. Absolutely fucking crazy because this was inexplicable to a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of shows yeah. that Fox canceled or wait, was Freaks and Geeks Fox or NBC? Yeah, it was Fox. It was Fox, right? So, so Fox canceled Arrested Development, yeah. Fox canceled Futurama, like these incredible, incredible shows, right? And Freaks and Geeks after one season, I mean, we'll never know what happened uh, to Lindsay Weir out on uh, Dead Tour. Yeah, on the Dead right? Tour, with, oh, which <laughs> yeah. again is another just beautiful stone reference to me as someone who has seen Fish like 12 times and the debt like i like that moment i was like this girl is me this is my life yeah weed is cool and this is the, of course the earliest i i imagine uh entrance of weed into the judd apatow extended uh cinematic universe which of yeah. course shows up in a lot of his films and and has a mixed bag honestly sometimes he has been scapegoating weed as the reason that these man children just can't grow up. And, mm -hmm. you know, as two guys making a podcast with giant weed plants behind us in the background. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I guess my yeah. response would be, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely yeah. true. And I think that it's also really interesting that, you know, this show is actually depicting the parents at that age back in the day. It's not saying, oh, you're kids now. It's saying this is what it was like back in the 70s. Back, yeah, back yeah. in the 70s. And it, it still made people just so angry. And can you imagine today a show that has Seth Rogen in it getting canceled for weed use? <laughs> like, it's wild when you look back at it. You're like, really? That's what made everyone so mad that they were like, we got to get yeah. this show off the air. And in fact, you know, Freaks and Geeks also had a really profound episode where uh, Lindsay Weir's little brother and his friends, uh, you know, conspire to replace a keg of beer with a keg <laughs> of non-alcoholic beer. And then the kids start like drinking it and be like, oh, I'm so drunk anyway, which I feel like is such an astute commentary on alcohol culture. And yet nobody blinked an eye about that and was like, wow, it really makes yeah. you think. Nobody was like, they're, yeah, they're encouraging teen drinking. No, no one cared about that. It was just mm -hmm. weed. Oh my gosh. And, you know, still coming off of this like tipper gore conservatism of people being like, weed is, you know, ruining our children and leading them to the devil, which was still around in the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. I've been sucking on that. Devil weed my whole fucking <laughs> my life. My whole life. I'm still waiting for Satan to come knock on my door. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, oh shit. Oh, you have to get yeah. that? Oh, there okay, it is. No. He's like, would you like to be a guest on Great Moments in <laughs> <laughs> History? Like, ah, there's Satan doing his job for doing us. Doing his thing. <laughs> uh. And so for you as a kid, how did that uh, how did that moment resonate i mean this was around the yeah we're starting to get high right oh uh, yeah a little before like around this time i was i was like 10 years old and i started smoking pot at 12 so i will say mm -hmm. the impact on me was that probably <laughs> it was like it was the show okay maybe all those angry parents were right <laughs> because i did watch it and i was like this is cool i relate to this girl i want to explore and have fun and i you know i feel that same yearning of like my life is so boring 
And, you know, one day I was at school, I was in a school play and my friend's older sister was like, we're going to go to McDonald's before rehearsal. You want to ride with us? And of course they pulled like a pipe out and I was just like, oh my God. Oh, it's, my, it's just, I was like, yeah, I was like, it's just like Lindsay. And it was like one of the same kind of like those glass pipes. I was like, this is it. This it's my time. And I remember smoking. I got a McFlurry and it was the best McFlurry I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know that particular McDonald's, and they actually have uh, yeah, inc- oh, incredible that one, that specific it's one. Definitely oh, not yeah. the weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. They, they put MSG in that McFlurry. Machine. Yeah, yeah, that specific <laughs> one on Harrison and Rockford, Illinois. They nail this. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, but you know, it, it is really amazing to start off with this fact because I think that ever since Judd Apatow's explosion in comedy, you know, he's just like he is the comedy guy now. A lot of people have now glorified that origin story, be like, ah, brilliant, but canceled, you know? But this isn't yeah. like Cop Rocks or some other like ridiculous fucking show, right? This is yeah. like one of the greatest fucking shows of all time. And, yeah. It was canceled after a season. And now we know why. This is yeah, a huge of mystery song. And it, it, it also, it, yeah, it, it's it's just wild. It's, yeah, it, it was straight up weed. And I think as we get into the other stuff on the list, you'll see it all comes from kind of this Apatow inspiration on television. Like that did open a door for people to be like, okay, we should talk about weed. It can be funny. It doesn't always have to be serious and terrifying. Yeah. The the real opposite end of this, you know, I when we when we discussed this episode, I said, you know, we really, this is great moments. We want to talk about great moments on TV, but there is this long tradition of very special episodes. Yes. Uh, that Seven are, yeah. you know, the extension essentially of this reefer madness strain yeah. of media depictions of cannabis. And so to see it in such a similar setting, high school kids, you know, experimentation, but to not have yeah. that big moralistic uh, Yeah, there was no shame. It was just the first realistic depiction of some high school stoners just regular kids. It wasn't, uh, you mentioned like the kind of terror and moralistic side. Uh, I think a few years before this, there was a Seventh Heaven episode that was actually like one of the first shows to really talk about weed. And it's like mm-hmm. the the dad finds a joint and like makes all the kids come sit. And he basically acts like he found heroin. And he's like mm-hmm. yelling at all the children. And he's like, oh my God. And the mom finally reveals like, she, she smoked, smoked weed too. like yeah in like college crying. one time and she's like crying and he basically acts like she just told him she like cheated on him and is like yeah he's like knocking like banging on a door like oh my god <laughs> yeah so we go to to number two on the list let's do yeah, it yeah let's go this one maybe maybe a little controversial but for me my age group i feel like it was the thing that made weed mainstream cool it gave us a catchphrase uh, and what it is, is 2006, Tally gets high on South Park. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, my God. I wasn't even thinking about this moment. No, people forget about Tally, okay? But in 2006, Tally is introduced, has our famous catchphrase, hey, you want to get high? Oh, my God. And that, of hey, course, is voiced by Vernon Chapman. Uh, who is an absolute fucking legend of animation and comedy. And a lot of people don't know that either. Um, But man, Towley is the greatest fucking character. Of course, a, uh, an experimental uh, government uh, program gone wrong. Right. (laughs) Something like that. B, do you remember Towley? Were you a South Park guy? Uh, Definitely a South Park watcher. I wouldn't say South Park uh, obsessor, (laughs) but I think that uh, if I could date myself a little bit, I was working at High Times when Cowley made his debut. So we, of course, monitored anything in the media with weed very closely. I know that the creators, uh, Matt and Trey, I'm not saying I'm on a first base basis with them. I'm actually forgetting their (laughs) last names. (laughs) Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yes. (laughs) Definitely weed. uh, People who also, you know, have had critical things to say about weed. So I think that there's a bit of their sharp satire in that character, but also, you know, some love of stoners and stoner culture. And, you know, I think it's ironic that, you know, we all can tend to forget about a character whose main uh, message to us is not to forget him. Yeah. For yeah. her or non-binary Tally. <laughs> no, yeah, I Tally. That. I don't know that Tally and has it, a gender. 
If you remember, like back in the day, Tally was huge. Like you could, if you went into a Spencer's gift shop, it was just mm-hmm. like Tally dolls, Tally posters, like just t-shirts that said, hey, you want to get high? Like that oh, is yeah. how much of an impact he had on the culture at the time. Yeah, absolutely. It was Cartman for a long time. People were like, Cartman, Cartman, Cartman. He sort of became like the Bart Simpson of the show. But Towley really caused a shift in that in terms of like the merchandising. He became the fucking icon of cannabis for that Yeah, and it was like, oh, you can have like other characters and the main characters in the show get famous. And I think, you know, for us kids who had mostly only seen stuff that was like moralistic about weed, this was a thing that was like, oh, it's like funny and it's kind of for adults, but it also makes us laugh and we get it. And maybe if you didn't even know really what weed was, it was funny to watch this towel with red eyes who somehow got stronger when he smoked a plant, (laughs) you know, which I always thought that like good for that depiction that he gets stronger way to turn it around. (laughs) I think that also harkens back to uh, we should talk a little bit about Popeye who uh, spinach was at one time, much like sort of broccoli now, uh, a slang for weed. weed. And, you know, I don't really know too many people who put actual spinach in a pipe, smoke it, and and become stronger. So, you know, this is these sort of much deeper, more hidden references, you know, shows like uh, a lot of children shows, even uh, HR Puffin stuff to go back to sort of Mm. the 70s. People had been sneaking these references in, a wink and a nod. Uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Puff the and Magic then... Dragon really towed <laughs> that line about as far oh, as Oh, yeah, as far as he could go. And then uh, Tally was just like, no, yeah, this is, this. it's here. Like, <laughs> this is an yeah. animated show for adults, but we know kids watch it, and this is a stoner character. Yeah, and you know, a really wonderful thing about the scenes with Tally is that a lot of them were very true to life about sitting around and getting high, because they would just be like these kind of quiet moments where it's like he'd be like saying like, wow, isn't that profound or weird? It's like, whoa, you know what I mean? And I feel like rather than being like, oh, we're stupid now, it's like there's so many depictions of being high that actually seem like they're depicting being drunk. And in this case, it was like, it really hit it on the head. And that was what was so funny about it is that getting high is like, it's not like a, oh my God, we're crazy and there's music. It's like, usually like, we're doing this in secret. We're trying to keep a low profile and we're just like vibing, you know? Quick shout out also to, uh, you know, we smoke on the shoulders of giants Shaggy and Scooby, of the uh, mm-hmm. giant sandwiches and stoner cadence, uh, definitely yeah. in this tradition as well. Scooby snacks, yeah. yes, indeed. To me, all of the all of that just built to Tally, just the perfect animated stoner character who I who deserves more respect in our history. I think absolutely, Tally. You are canonized in great moments in weed history. You are a great moment in weed history. Weed his- yes. Thank yeah. you, Tally. Yeah, thank you, Tally. TV, I say. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Let's let's keep going. This is incredible. Yes. Next on the list, uh, which we have already mentioned a bit, uh, 2012 High Maintenance debuts the web series. Uh, And finally, we see that shows about weed 
can be very artistic and highbrow. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh my indeed. goodness. Yes, people realize <laughs> it's not just giggles and laughs with stoners, but we can actually have very deep interior lives. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I, I was a I was a small character on High Maintenance, one of the many, many people who plays a part in that world. I was very honored to do so. Uh, ben and I met around that time because I was writing the Weedicket column and, you know, he was doing the web series and we met. And I actually have the uh, rare uh, auspicious honor of taking the first dab on that show, which I believe ends up being the first dab like on TV. Right. Uh, yeah, I did take that dab. Uh, shout out my uh, long lost friend, Rabbit, who was the first guy to ever dab me out who came by. We had Snick Barnes pieces on set. Uh, th- there was we had some real deal fucking props on there that were made by like legit glass artists. Uh, it was a good time. I mean, that's another thing I love about the show. Not only was it like we want to do this interesting depiction of stoners, but they really did want to bring in real stoners, real people in the community who made things and did cool things that, you know, real stoners watching would be like, oh, my gosh, him. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. I always love that about it. Yeah, absolutely. So. My first interaction with the show was, again, working at High Times. We would get, you know, emails and messages about anything to do with weed that was in the media. And, you know, I got to say, you'd get I, I got an email. Hey, there's this web series about uh, weed delivery in New York and just have been, you know, have run at that football so many times. <laughs> thinking maybe this will be the one that's good. Maybe this will be the one that's not just patently embarrassing, both as a depiction of our culture and as a, as a work of art. (laughs) And, you know, with some trepidation hit click watched what I think was either the first or the second episode and literally did the thing where I said, Hey, everybody, Hey, entire staff Mm -hmm. of high times magazine, come here, watch this. And we had a really kind of a profound experience of like, oh, it, as you said, they put the high and highbrow, you know, that show is beautiful yeah. on its own terms. I, I hope they use that on a poster at some point, <laughs> puts the high and highbrow. God, oh, come on. And I just remember sending a uh, email to Ben and Katia and saying basically like, this is as good as you probably think and hope it is. And I... I you know, we, the full power vested in us as a weird uh, weed magazine, you, you fucking did it. And to see it grow from uh, a completely independent web series all yeah. the way to multiple seasons on HBO. And good seasons, because yeah. not every web series makes that jump. I know personally, I was one of those kids who was like, when the web series came out, I hosted viewing parties in my apartment with like bongs and everything with all my stoner friends. When I heard it was going to HBO, I was like, um, I was, I liked this before it was cool. Like what? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Now it's going to go mainstream and not be as good. Fun fact, you know, Ben was really inspired by uh, the opening vignettes on Six Feet Under, where you would see, you know, something's coming, right? You know, someone's going to die, but you don't know how it's going to happen. It's a new character every time. So High Maintenance, the television series has that same sort of, uh, you know, uh, like structure to it where you start off with a stranger, right? And, you know, you're like, oh, okay, what's going on here? There's these people just living their lives in New York. And I think that in capturing New York, which is something that they are heavily, heavily credited with, they captured it from the angle of a stoner. It wasn't like, oh, this is a show about weed. It's a show about people in which weed is incidental. Yes. And that's the gold standard. You know what? I know we all hope that we would see like countless TV shows, scripted and unscripted, that incidentally show cannabis in a responsible way. And I feel like we really haven't seen no. that. Yeah. Now, you know? Yeah, it, it really, I, I don't think we've seen anything kind of pick up the mantle that it has set up. It really just kind of created this standard that I think every show has been afraid to reach. Like, Everything since has really been comedy focused uh, or just bad, like Disjointed on Netflix, which is not on the list. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Disjointed was fucking horrible. Yeah. Like, that, they, oh. they really tried. They were trying, but they failed. Yeah, it failed. And I think the other thing about high maintenance, the big insight 
in terms of storytelling is like, okay, you ordered food delivery. That exchange just takes place at the door and takes five seconds. But you've got to let the weed delivery person into your home. And that Mm -hmm. just opens everything up. And also, it's a depiction of the underground. You know, and, and throughout the entire series, everything that the guy, the the delivery person is doing is outside the law, against the law, but they resisted that urge to turn it into weeds, to turn it into yeah. ever mm-hmm. escalating, uh, let's raise the stakes, and all of a sudden the DEA is, you know, flying helicopters over this guy on his bicycle, and it's like, yes, that's a big part of the underground world of cannabis commerce. And those stories need to be told, but it's dishonest to force that narrative onto somebody when really they're just driving around on a bicycle, making people happy and fulfilling an economic role that has been pushed to the margin. So I always just really respected them for showing the kindness of a person. Yeah. So when you see that in the show, it's like, it's just like, yes, these are the moments of weed life that we want to talk about. Similar to like sitting around and waxing poetic with Towley, you know, like (laughs) being happy to see your weed delivery guy. I mean, that is Uh, just too fucking real. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's keep, let's go to the next one, uh, which again, you have mentioned. uh, And I was, I was a little like, do I put it on the list? But it is weeds. Uh, And I had to include it, even though it is your kind of stereotypical crime weed show. It was the first show that showed women could be in charge of cannabis. It was the first show that said, you know, here is a black woman uh, who, like, is the plug, who is the Mm -hmm. one in charge. You know, Halia was the one who actually ran everything. And really, you know, Nancy was annoying and didn't know what she was doing. But it was the first show that really showed a black woman in the hood like creating her own business, being smart about it. And for that, I love it. Nancy Botwin's an interesting character because it's like a average white mom in America can sort of identify with this person who is engaging with cannabis. And I think those avatars are really important. So even though this show did not resist the urge that Bean was talking about and there was a (laughs) drug tunnel, and like that was the- Yeah, and oh yeah, it gets so crazy and like, also, Nancy never, like, smokes pot in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, we never really see actual weed users except for uh, Kevin Nealon's character. And yeah. he just is, like, a dumb idiot every time he smokes. Like, he smokes and turns into, like, Winnie the Pooh and takes his pants off and just wants to eat <laughs> honey. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. This was a divisive show, I think, in Weed World because it started off as, like, oh, look, uh, you know, here's this widow who's sort of desperate, right? And this is Prohibition Days. So you yeah. can really lean into the kind of illegal, illicit, uh, you know, corner of this as opposed to, you know, now, like, obviously, like, disjointed is maybe in some ways, like, the kind of weird spiritual successor to that. Yeah. yeah like, it's very true that it was a family, a Black family operation, right? I forget the name of the actor and the character. But uh, the guy before yeah, you- the guy, uh, the, the like, nephew of my, yeah, uh, Helios' nephew. I can't remember his name. Yeah, the handsome son of a bitch. Yeah, he hot has, guy. Yeah, super hot guy. He has a crush on Nancy, and it's like, that's why it's working that way. And Haley is like, oh, you're just putting, you know, you're risking your own life because you think she's pretty. And and it's like, it, it was very, like, grounded they weren't like there's a gun on the table and yeah it's like security camera like who is it right you know? and even when they did try like they had u-turn the like gangster who like you know is up against Haley a bit but even that like mostly just turns into a funny thing like it wasn't terrifying mm-hmm. black people with drugs and i think that this gets into like you know it seems to me like there's the kernel of a show and then executives descend and yeah. they're like oh <laughs> people are watching this let me get in on this and, and make sure that I'm a part of this successful thing with my big idea, which is guns and a weed tunnel. Place. And let's have her go to Mexico and live in an RV. I could oh, only watch the first two seasons. If you're like checking the shows that just watch the first two seasons of Weeds, that's all you need. Even starting with the theme song, that sort of haunting box. Yeah, it was at its heart in the beginning, a critique of the cultural stifling nothingness of the suburbs 
which mm. I can identify with. And I can look in my own life as weed being something that pierced through that, that on, on, on one sense, inside my own self gave me a sense of life beyond these boxes, beyond this sort of cultural dead zone that I found myself in. But also one of the great things about weed in your life and particularly in the underground era is that it is this passport to meeting new people, to encountering new scenes, to finding yourself in places and situations that you otherwise wouldn't, and ultimately having a common ground with other people outside of your box, and ultimately discovering a lot of similarities and ultimately widening your view of the world. And I do think, you know, that maybe starts to get lost as the stakes, you know, the only thing higher than our characters are the stakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, at its heart, that was really a groundbreaking thing. And, um, you know, definitely an earned place on this list of weedy great moments in TV yes. history. Uh, and I think it leads to our next show pretty well, because uh, once people saw the hot, wonderful Nancy Botwin, like laying on weed plants, people were like, women in weed? I think there's something there. Uh, and then we get the debut of Broad City, uh, which, like High Maintenance, goes the web series route and then becomes a real show on Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Broad City, Abby and Alana, weed is the the plant of their friendship. It is like the cornerstone of so many relationships uh, on the show. And I, Broad City was like the first thing to me that was like finally real female stoner representation. Like finally this like girls who can do bong rips. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, before yeah. that it was like, you know, the Lindsay from Freaks and Geeks where it was like a girl who was like, I don't know. And, you know, mm -hmm. then the stoner guys are the ones. And finally, Broad City was like girls who did dabs and like bought their own weed, not these Girls who are like, oh, I've never bought weed. I just give whatever my boyfriend smokes. Huh? I take no. shotguns. I take shotguns. Yeah, I just say I only do shotguns. <laughs> no, these were real hardcore stoner girls. And I was so happy and proud. Yeah. And, you know, so they really represented one of the things that I feel like they showed. Because these people really exist. Like, there are cool, beautiful women who smoke shit tons of weed. When I found yeah. out... That as a straight man, when I found out these women existed, I was like, oh, there's hope for me in dating <laughs> in, in the world, right? But the, in, an interesting thing that they also had that they introduced, and I don't know if this was a product placement or just happened to be on there, was the PAX, right? The, the yes. flower vaporizer, because this was the perfect New York City tool. We're talking yes. about a time where you could get thrown in a paddy wagon uh, for smoking weed on the street in New York. Some of us here on this show, that has perhaps happened to <laughs> right here. We can just raise this hand for anybody who's listening there at home. <laughs> and this was a fucking difficult time to walk around and get high in New York City, which is a place where you got to walk around. You don't have a yeah. whatever to hang out in. And they used the packs. It's something that a cop doesn't know what it is. And then once yeah, it just looks like a vape, you know, tobacco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that I, I lived in Chicago and it was the same thing. I saw Alana use it and I was like, what is this device? Like, I think I had one of the I had a magic flight box, which I like I remember. Those yeah, you think, yeah. The, and you put the yeah the wood thing, you put the battery in it. And you're and like, straw, oh, yeah. And, the, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, no one can tell I'm vape, but it's a wooden box full of weed and it smells like weed. <laughs> and then I saw the packs on Broad City and I was like, this is the future. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. Yeah. I think yeah. that also Broad City really excelled at showing this uh, seeming paradox between weed as being transgressive and also somewhat wholesome. Like, mm. I, you know, there's episodes definitely where they're like, you know, famously trying to figure out where to hide some weed. Now uh, you can watch the show and figure <laughs> out where they come up with. Uh, and, you know, uh, the they, old birthright. Yeah. <laughs> so, classic. Indeed. Yeah, I, indeed. Shout and out yet, Seth Green. <laughs> all of their actual experiences with getting high with uh, each other and other characters are bonding experiences and not transgressive, not outside of some norm of human behavior, but actually reinforcing of the closeness of their very, very mutually supportive friendship on that show. 
it doesn't it's not the bad thing that they do it's actually something that enhances the real message of the show which i find to be about you know almost creating a family out of your friends which is something that i think also resonates in stoner culture you know a lot of people have been so shamed or arrested or both for doing something that they actually feel good about so when you do form these weedy friendships there is a real element to them of mutual support and um that really beautifully comes through in Broad City. Yeah. yeah. And these were two very different types of stoners. Abby and Alana were very different types of stoners. Yes. One who's like a little bit more uptight and sort of whatever, but she still gets high. She's not like, no, I don't want yeah. this stuff. And then Alana is just like full on like this manic pixie. Dad princess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And by the way, Alana's interview on the last episode of Z-Way, which is like, God's gift is so good. Yes. So fucking good. Uh, she was I, so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was hilarious. That show is fucking when incredible. they brought the little kid out. Oh, that. Yeah. And the little kid's just like, I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. But, but yeah. And also, another show I feel like that has such a kinship with high maintenance because of its depiction of New York. Like, and it's, it's a yeah. younger experience of New York, a broker experience of New York than high maintenance is often depicting, right? but still very, very true to life. Yes. And shout out Paul Downs and Lucia. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Friends of of the podcast. And whose whose new show is just fucking fantastic. And it's in its second season. Yeah. And they're responsible for, for, you know, like uh, just as much of that pitch perfect stoner representation because we know from real life they are actual stoners. They get down. (laughs) TV If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Next on the list, I had to give it to the boys, Workaholics. Mm-hmm. Workaholics on Comedy Central. I feel that it really did solidify stoner humor in a brand new way that updated it, that made it current, that just like wasn't the same outdated stuff and references you heard back in the day about like munchies but was really just weird, like, weed alt-comedy humor on Comedy Central. Yeah, so I actually never watched Workaholics, full disclosure. This is a huge gap in my my viewing history. I don't know why I never got into it. I feel like, you know, there was, like, a a sort of freewheelingness to it that really appealed to me. And yet, at the time, I think that I was getting into, like, the more dramatic peak TV offerings yes. that were out. Oh, and yeah. that was eating up a lot of my time. And I completely missed it. Bean, did you watch Workaholics? I did. Well, I got to say, at the beginning of our podcast, before we get into our history stories, we invite everyone to get high with us. And we say, hey, if you're not rolled up yet, you can hit pause. So we'll just hit pause now uh, while you watch the entirety right, of <laughs> Workaholics. And just, then we'll, yeah. we'll read I mean, it. Like, I think it's like five, <laughs> yeah. six seasons. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to open a browser window here. <laughs> you, you guys just sit tight. Uh, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you can play it at 200 times speed. So 
I'll be oh. with you in six hours. All right, <laughs> we're back. Yeah. No, I'd say a particular but, episode of this show. You know, uh, you know, you have your three main characters, and then I believe the fourth co-creator of the show is their weed dealer. Is, the, is, yeah. is it Carl? Uh, Carl, yes. And there's one episode where, you know, Carl is a very old school weed dealer, you know, uh, 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 someone who we would call on this on this show, you know, very uh, a servant of the plant. But, you know, not not a, not on the on top of his business game all the time. It seems like <laughs> yes. his weed's not that great. His <laughs> showing up on time record is not that great. All all, you know, things that you get used to in the old school underground uh realm of weed and there's an episode where they find a new weed dealer uh there's as a, a woman and she's got the yeah. best weed and she's i love this she's episode. got edibles she's got all the new fangled whatnot she's got dabs and at first they're like oh this is great but then they come to realize she only gives a shit about money and she turns <laughs> on them pretty hard and the real <laughs> message of the episode is like it's not about having the best weed. It's about having the best weed people yeah, around yeah. you. And I'm definitely here for that. And That's I think Carl, like, yeah, Carl has to end up like saving them. And he's like, maybe I have ditch weed, but I'll always be here for you guys. And, <laughs> you know, I do think it's workaholics to me is kind of like the male broad city. You have like three different guys who are all stoners, but smoke in their own, own way. One is very like about his career and job and serious you know, one is an immature man child and one is like your weird artsy guy. So, yeah, I think it, it does embrace that same humor. What I love about your list and, and sort of reliving some of these shows through it is these are also all shows that are great to watch when you yourself are actually high. Um, yes. And that, you know, I think that the the hangout comedy genre of television is weedy in and of itself and often you know the weed is not a part of it but that instinct in us of like i'm at home i'm gonna smoke a bowl and watch some tv is you know a way to unwind for countless tens and hundreds of millions of people in this country and around the world we often get shamed for it very very needlessly when other people's hobbies are patently horrific <laughs> we are somehow shamed for wanting to unwind after a long hard day or a short easy day uh with some weed and some television and these shows that can reflect back to us that experience of a good hang are so weedy in and of themselves so you know i would definitely hang with the workaholics i would oh, yeah. love Especially as a younger single man and <laughs> back in those days, They're hanging out guys. with Broad City Universe would have been, you know, and I lived in New York right at that time. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was all a real experience of weed and TV. And this, you know, as it goes back as long as there has been TV, people have been smoking weed and watching it, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, Workaholics is one I'd say you only got to watch like the first two, three seasons. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was a really solid sales pitch for me starting Workaholics as soon as we're done recording here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and I'm going to do it. Next on the list, I'm going to say you keep setting me up really well with what you're saying, because uh, next on the list is a show that I say I would say was a good hangout show. People didn't consider it a weed show. Oh, yeah. And then in its fourth season finale, we had a surprising reveal and it's Insecure. At the uh -huh. end of season four of Insecure, Issa has like just discovered shocking information about her partner. She goes back home and we see that she has this like balcony. She goes out and she pulls out a joint and starts smoking it. And when this happened, everyone freaked out. Everyone was like, what? We've never <laughs> seen this in the show. Really? What? And, you know, people, the people who made the show were like, well, yeah, you know, she smokes. We just like you said, it wasn't a part of it. But like, you know, yeah. And then. We finally got to this place where we were like, no, we should see black women smoke weed on TV. We should see black women who use weed as part of their self-care. Uh, and so in the last season, it's fully embraced. Uh, once they go from like Issa smoking on her porch uh, after that, then they have full parties where the girls are like, let's have sleepovers and smoke pot and let's do this. Uh, and so it's it's just this really special moment because it really, truly is like the first time we see a black woman smoke weed 
it's like, it's amazing. Oh my God. So, you know, I saw the first season of Insecure. And then again, I mean, this is one of the plights of peak TV where I feel like you start 10, 15 shows and you only end up finishing a few of them. But I'm stoked to add this to my list because I did not know it actually went there. And that is an incredibly important representation. Bean, have you watched Insecure? Yeah, I love that show. And and I think that, you know, reflecting back on some of the other shows we talked about, this is a show, uh, prim- not primarily, but uh, really about a friendship that goes through some real hardships as a friendship. Yeah. And so to see Weed now portrayed not just as this sort of thing that we share in common, but as a way to cope. Um, you know, that's another elevation of this discussion and something yeah. that I think a lot of people maybe over the last couple of years in particular, you know, people who are now working at home, people whose life circumstances have changed or their view of the world has changed. The understanding that weed is a really, really helpful tool in coping with some of life's hardships is beautiful to see that portrayed in this show. And I think it's something that is going to be a lasting part of weed culture. You know, a lot of people came to cannabis uh, in these last couple of years and, and now realize that it fits into their life in a lot of different ways. And that was really, uh, kind of depicted in the whole insecure arc. Yeah. And to me, I I related to it because at the beginning of the show, she's obviously very insecure. She varies. She's unsure of herself. She doesn't, you know, know what she wants to do or who she is. And it's like this rare story where like she figures her shit out because of weed. Like weed helps her get her life together. Oh, it's cheaper than therapy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I have to shout out the OG uh, comedy cannabis uh, voice of Doug Benson, one of my favorite weed jokes of all time. People say weed is a crutch. Well, crutches help people. (laughs) I love Doug Benson. (laughs) Shout out Doug Benson. Getting Doug with a high. Yes. That's That's like our favorite podcast appearance until this one. Until this one on TV, I say, I gotta say, yeah, man. But it's absolutely true, man. Okay, I'm so sold on watching the rest of Insecure. I have to pick it back up because I also love the idea that, you know, this is a really well-rounded character who you know so much more about before you see them using cannabis. Yeah. Like, it, it hammers it home that you don't have to be a cannabis person to use cannabis. There's like, there's almost no such thing. There's just degrees to which people use cannabis. You know exactly. I mean? It could be yeah. sometimes. It could be every day. It could be every fucking 10 minutes. Yeah. But it is, it, it's life medicine. I love the depiction. Yeah. And that was the kind of funny part of, of like the response from audiences, like the people who I guess, you know, are a little hesitant on weed still were just like, what? So she's a stoner now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not like you see bongs around her apartment or anything. She's still just. Smoking a joint every so often. She's it. She seems like the type of girl who just gets her pre rolls when she needs them. Like mm. leave her be. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. Well, I did prepare one moment, and it's actually, to my understanding, the first positive depiction of weed on television in history that I could find. Um, and I think it also kind of shows how far we've come in this journey as a, as a weed culture and as television culture. Uh, this goes back to 1961. Um, I'll preface this uh, by saying um, this goes back to 1961, and it involves the poet Allen Ginsberg, associated with the whole sort of beat generation of Kerouac and Neil Cassidy. Um, and so in 1958, Neil Cassidy, the sort of inspiration for these beat uh, poets and writers, was arrested for weed in giving, unfortunately gave it to some undercover police and did two years in prison. This is their close friend. So this was a very personal issue to them. Um, And in 1961, Allen Ginsberg and Norman Mailer were booked to be on a talk show hosted by a guy named John Crosby on CBS TV. So this was a big show. And here's Ginsberg's description. 
I had lunch with Mailer before with the taping and said I'd like to bring up the subject of the decriminalization or legalization of marijuana. He said that it would be foolish because we'd never get anywhere with that. It would just be considered shocking. But I did say something about it when it came up on the program. Then Mailer chimed in and said that he had, quote, tried it somewhere and that it was all right. And then Crosby, the host, added that he had tried it in Africa safely. And we all came to this consensus that, in essence, you know, the emperor wears no clothes. This whole uh, crusade against weed is nonsense. Right after, immediately after this show aired, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, forced CBS to run a seven-minute refutation of this entire program that was produced by the Narcotics Bureau that denounced the guests and the hosts of the show. Uh, and Ginsburg was outraged by this. And he said, what outraged me most was, first of all, the presumption of the government to take over the airwaves like that. Mm -hmm. What right did the FCC have to oppose our suggestions about the changing of the law? And ultimately, Allen Ginsberg, after this, became one of the first vocal public figures to consistently talk about legalizing weed. And he formed before even normal, one of the first organizations dedicated in the United States to the legalization of weed. And really, that discussion that they started on this talk show is one that, you know, goes on to this day. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. You know, it's like, yeah. we've been talking about scripted TV this whole time. <laughs> and, and this is like an unscripted moment. And I don't think we had you know, relevant unscripted moments like that until decades later. And we're talking about like Sanjay Gupta. And then, of course, like, you know, we have to shout out our own show, Bong Appetit, which was watched by like nine people. You know, <laughs> I mean, so not not quite. I was insane. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were. I bet you were. But yeah, are, are you, uh, Ashley, are, are you familiar with Ginsburg, the beat generation? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love how. <laughs> Yeah, I love, you know, love on the road. I mean, I, I love that's another reason why I became, I think, such a big stoner in high school, because I read like on the road and I was like, these guys get it. You know, the freedom, the open mind, the open road, marijuana. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that the activism sort of began there. And it's true that we are a free speech democracy until the fascist fucks who actually run our country decide that we are not. And I think, you know, we see that to this day. And I mean, we see that accentuated to this day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. I don't think like we get. I mean, the only other live weed TV moment I can think of is like uh, Conan and Seth Rogen, which is, mm -hmm. you know, obviously when it's, you know, cool and popular, it's not like a political thing. Yeah, they weren't. They definitely weren't shattering any. uh any new boundaries with that one, but yeah. it was cool. It was cool. And, and, you know, especially Conan being somebody who shaped stoner humor so much, not only with late night, but of course with his work on the Simpsons and everything. I mean, those are the stoneriest fucking characters ever, man. Nineties Conan. I mean, come oh. on the masturbating bear. Like, yeah, this is like the, the, the fucking Walker, Texas Ranger lever, by the way, shout out my father-in-law, Albert S. Ruddy, co-creator of Walker, Texas Ranger. Did not oh. know about Conan O'Brien's fucking Walker lever. <laughs> I got to tell him about that, which is pretty cool. Um, so I have a moment picked out here, and it's less a singular moment and more a character. A character on a really fantastic show who incidentally smokes cannabis throughout the show. This is based on a real person who did incidentally smoke cannabis his entire life. Apparently, he really loved weed. Though that is not the drug he's famous for. I'm talking, of course, about Pablo Escobar, <laughs> who is portrayed by Wagner Mora. I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Wagner Maura, Wagner Mora, something like that. But this guy just is an absolute amazing actor. And he just crushes his depiction of Pablo Escobar on the show Narcos, which is in like its 90th fucking season yeah. now. <laughs> Uh, in like its 10th language, right? Which just became a massive phenomenon. But it started out, right? 
following the story of Pablo Escobar, who was this, you know, purveyor of cocaine for the entire world. If you did cocaine and any time between 1960 and 1980, it was probably Escobar cocaine or whatever the statistic is, right? But the interesting thing is that the real Pablo Escobar was a pothead. He sat around smoking weed all fucking day, right? Oh, yeah. and, and he sold cocaine, right? And in the show, his character is just always rolling a joint or throwing one in his mouth or relighting a roach. He barely ever talks about it. I feel like there's one moment where he he's like holed up, like in the place where he's eventually killed, you know, on the roofs of, of, of Medellin, the rooftops of Medellin, um, where he goes down and asks his guy for, he's like, do you have any papers? Because I'm, I'm out of papers up here. And like, he is always has a bag of weed. He's always rolling it up. He's, he's just constantly puffing. And Pablo Escobar has been depicted many times in many films. And they never showed him smoking weed until Wagner Mora did it. And I, I got to say that the incidental use of cannabis is what really scratches the itch for me. It really cuts against the old amotivational syndrome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stereotype because you know i'm not not uh advocating what he did but I he mean, certainly but... uh you know took a small business and 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 built it yeah. <laughs> okay tell me weed slows you down come on i know seriously man and also just the enthusiasm he showed for it and just like it was a very nuanced character and this was just one of his things it was not like you know it was not like a storyline it was just a character trait it was like a choice that you know the the character made in, in a lot of ways and i think that that's really uh that that's one of my favorite and sort of like you know lesser known depictions of cannabis uh, yeah i like that yeah uh you know i actually i did when you were talking about live tv i did think of just one other one that i i do mm. want to include because i want to give you know continued credit to funny women who smoke weed uh in the first like depiction of someone on a reality TV show uh, smoking pot was actually Joan Rivers when she had her like short-lived hot like E Hollywood program about her life. There's oh like God. a scene where her and her friend go get Botox, and in the like limo that drives them, they smoke weed, but they like don't show it, but like you see smoke, and then they're both just like stoned out of their minds, like getting this Botox, and then they go back home, and she's like, "I'm high," and. <laughs> It was like the That's first so time on reality TV that people were like, they depicted her doing drugs. Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. So shout out to Joan Rivers, a oh. bad bitch. Yeah, seriously. And just like one of the greatest fucking comedic minds in American history, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> also, yeah. uh, some irony in the fact that you can inject chemical weapons into your <laughs> own face and that's... Yeah, know, oh, they, they show the Botox. Oh yeah, they show the needles in her face. <laughs> They show all that stuff. Oh, but no, her like eating an edible lollipop and smoking a joint. We can't have that. No, no. Yeah. Wow. That is fucking insane. All right. Well, Ashley, this was an incredible list. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was amazing. It's my favorite thing. Weed and TV. TV, I say. What a fun episode. I want to thank my guests, Abdullah and David, for joining me. How much fun was that? You know, oh gosh, I love Weed TV. I was happy to remember Tally exists and to celebrate just, again, some behind the scenes great moments, things like high maintenance. That that was so cool. I hope you enjoyed it, but don't worry. I am going to leave you with some homework because I know some of you out there were like, Ashley, I've seen all of this. What am I supposed to do this Labor Day weekend? I have already seen all these shows. I need something. Well, I got you. This is some homework you can check out to prep for things that are coming out, to get ready for things we're going to talk about on the podcast, and just some things you might have missed that have been out that I'm going to be talking about in the newsletter soon. So let's dive in. Atlanta, like I said, our flag means death. Abbott Elementary. Reservation Dogs, which has been, if this season does not get awards, I will tie myself to the Academy Award building and... Ask them nicely to give it awards. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> I talked about it on the in the newsletter how they with this last episode really embraced a sort of girls' trip waiting to exhale trope that I think was really beautiful and just honored a long history of women of color finding themselves in their voices and freedom 
and what that looks like at an older age. And I loved it. And next, This Fool, again, have already talked about it so much. Absolutely loved it. We're going to be talking to some people from This Fool. So I'm, I'm really excited. And finally, The Resort. So many of you asked me to watch The Resort. And look, I watched the first episode with everyone. I could tell this was going to be the kind of mystery that I would need to binge. And so I waited. All of the episodes are out now. Watch them all. And I think that was a better choice. So it is a wonderful mystery. Mostly my guy is in it. My boy, Skylar Gazondo. He is my boy, my guy. He just has immaculate my dude vibes. And in this show, he yet again is just given the chance to play the sweetest my dude, my guy type of character. So I I did really like it. I did spend most of it screaming, just break up with each other, just break up with each other. But I think that's part of the experience. So there's your homework if you need new TV to watch. And we'll be back on schedule with our watch list next week. Some exciting guests. Thanks so much for tuning in. TV I Say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Marina Pais and produced by Amelia Chapelo. And our original theme song is by Rafia. You can follow me on social media at the Ashley Ray on Twitter and at the Ashley Ray with one E on Instagram. And also TV Club has merch at podswag.com. Look out for cute weed accessories. I'm talking dab pens, grinders, rolling trays. Uh, I got t-shirts so you can show everyone that you love TV Club. Uh, I got t-shirts that say justice for the big leap. Everything you need. Tell your friends about the show. Make sure to rate and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For special TV Club members, join my Patreon. If you want to tell me what to watch, that's the way to do it. Join the Patreon and I will write about whatever you want, talk about whatever you want. I'll watch TV with you if you want. Uh, But you can find my full archive, ad-free episodes of TV I Say over on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code TV I Say, all one word, for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. For photos, show notes, transcripts, and more, go to earwolf.com. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.